Hello, I'm Chris. And I'm Hunter. Welcome to the Commonwealth Comic Podcast. We're excited to announce we will be doing a series of episodes connected by a common thread. During these episodes, we will dive into the world of Batman and explore the iconic films that have shaped the Dark Knight's legacy. In this episode, we'll be delving into a movie that has become a timeless classic and launched a comic book and movie craze at the same time shaping film and print for decades to come. Batman 1989. Join us as we traverse the gothic streets of Gotham City, uncovering the secrets behind the making of this influential film and discussing its lasting impact on the superhero genre. So, Hunter, what do you think about Batman 89? When, when was the first time you watched it? So, the first time I ever watched Batman 89 was probably at my grandparents' house when I was like four or five, six yeah. years old. Yeah. And I see this black VHS tape <laughs> with nothing but the Batman symbol. Yeah, that was, that was pretty pretty slick marketing by them they just yeah. like it's super clean like i remember the poster that came out back then because i was again 89 i was 10 years old you know and i'm like this, this is crazy this just what's, what's this movie going to be about because all you saw was this poster that says coming out you know june 23rd batman yeah you know? and it just had the that gold logo yeah which was totally different because the one before that was just like very campy looking yellow yeah. or black logo and they just completely redesigned this thing for the what you know the precipice of the nineties, you know. Yeah, and I don't know. Uh, I had probably known about Batman as a character around that time, but I had never like seen anything like this. Right. I was all Ninja Turtles, nineteen ninety, <laughs> The Mask, Jim Carrey, and then this movie showed up. Right. And totally different. Right. So, the thing about it was, is the, the other thing that, that, you know, when you're around during that time, you see about it later, but, and you've seen it, you know about it, but was the marketing behind that film. That started way before that movie was going to be released. Yeah, like a year and a half in advance. Yeah, so that was, that they, they basically changed the game on marketing uh, for movies at that point in time. Like, all the tie-ins, they had fast food restaurants, like. They had marketing for little kids, like, I guess thinking about Batman sippy cups and Batman, you know, bibs and stuff like that for babies that weren't even going to watch these movies, but their parents were, Yeah, you know, and I remember as a kid, like, if I was, you know, you'd see it if you were, if it's summer break or whatever break from school, or if you were, you know, sick from school that day and you couldn't go, you know, you get some soup, some crackers or whatever, because you weren't feeling well. On TV, they were playing the reruns of like, you know, the '60s Batman, the Adam West, Burt Ward Batman, you know, um, and that was kind of like that's who you thought was Batman, and then like this comes out when I was a kid, and I'm like, this isn't what what Batman is this? Yeah, like this is this is the comic book Batman, you know. <clears throat> and speaking of that, like as far as playing the long game on this, like that Miller Batman, you know, the Dark Knight stuff, right? Uh, that that came out previous to this yeah and they were testing the waters on whether they could you know produce 
and be successful with a a darker Batman series or darker Batman movie. Rather. Yeah, I, I know we've, we've talked about it before uh, on earlier episodes, but uh, in the the mid to late eighties, the comic book industry was shifting towards a more adult feel because right they, the the kids that were reading those comics growing up, well, they had they'd grown up. Right. Well, they they did you know like any any industry that wants to sell stuff, right? They do market research. And I'd always seen, you know, later on watching some documentaries and stuff like that about, you know, the market research they did for, for comic books during that time. Said so the average comic book reader was between, you know, 18 and, you know, 26 years old, which is, you know, it that was quite a bit older of a, of a, of a demographic. Yeah. So they were like, well, we can, we can make it. And it was, it's funny to think of now because now they're like, now they're like, can we make a rated R comic book movie? Is yeah. that is that going to do well? Deadpool, obviously, Blade, the, yeah, all those movies. You know, they they kind of did that. But at that at this time, they were like, can we make a a PG thirteen movie? Yeah, and still sell because you know some folks aren't gonna you know at the time they're not gonna take their kids you know their young kids to go see a PG thirteen movie because you're allowed to see you know somebody get get killed on screen or somebody get severely injured on screen or yeah and there's be a little bit little bit of language you know some suggestive scenes here and there which is not not crazy nowadays but back then you're like i don't know you know the kids gonna take to this or are we gonna make any money off of this um so yeah they, they played the long game on if they were going to uh to be able to to pull this off so i think you know early on there was some this thing thing was written you know, almost like it was going to be a, a a PG movie, and then there were some rewrites done. Yeah, you know, and but at the time, they think they, they they took this whole operation and filmed it. They built an entire, you know, Gotham City. The whole set was built in England. Um, movie was filmed there for the most part. They built the entire series over there. I think they spent. At the time, you know, it's 89, they spent three or four million dollars building this entire city set, rather, uh, for the movie. Um, but yeah, so, you know, at the time, this, this movie was, you know, kind of ahead of its deal there. The other thing was they had a very, they brought in a, a very untested, um, unproven director to yeah. do this thing, and that's Tim Burton, right? Yeah, re- really, the biggest thing he had done up to that point was Beetlejuice, which was a right. a giant success. And, but and to be honest with you, it's been it's widely known now. At the time, they kept it closely guarded, but now it's widely known that they waited until Beetlejuice was to see how it did. Then once it was a success, they're like they green lit this movie. Yeah, like for him to direct it at that you know it was like, well, okay, you made some money. It was a high, you know, it was a highly grossing film, you know. But who else was in that movie? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. So he was a controversial pick to play Batman, much like uh, Robert Pattinson recently, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, I've, I've watched that film and I thought he did well in there, uh, playing that particular version of Batman. But Michael Keaton, at this up to this point, he was known as a comedic actor, and he didn't have any like. He wasn't going to be able to play this serious Batman role, you know. You think that's well, funny because it's a comic book character, serious, like. But, but I mean, really, it is a serious role. 
he's playing a, a serious character that you know he and he had and not only do you have to play one character you have to play two characters yeah if you play batman you have to play two characters yeah you know you're playing bruce wayne and you're playing batman so some of them are judged on on how they play each of those characters even yeah uh since you brought it up uh robert patson i i know a lot of flack that he caught wasn't from playing batman it was from the lack of playing bruce wayne in this this past movie that's what it is i think i think people you know you've been batman's been delivered a certain kind of way over the years even in the comics so the fans want a certain balance of those characters you want to see how that dynamic plays out so i can understand being like wait a minute like why is there not enough like why would you complain if there's too much batman in a batman movie but yeah you know you kind of got to have this secret identity right yeah um superman much the same way like you want a little bit of clark kent in there because you got to see how he plays that role and, and i always thought that that movie from the 70s the superman movie i think they did a good job with that yeah him playing it they used a some humor with that you know like and that plays well because you know it's like oh he's just got these glasses on like yeah like that's a real you know but but, but clark kent's a total dork yeah so he he you know he kind of two different dynamics and i think he played both of those roles fantastically you know yeah superman's this big like you know not a big muscular guy like henry cavell but still you know he's, he's a big guy yeah christopher reeves was but and, and i do i still to this day love that movie but we won't go down too far on that we may talk about that at some point in time yeah we'll we'll definitely have to talk about superman at some yeah, point even 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 superman 3 oh oh that's oh. a tough one but west for peace west for peace yeah but you know so we, we like to talk about you know you know this this character batman being um who he is and, and how uh keaton like i said was was basically lambasted but then um he's now one of the most beloved actors to play batman ever like the main reason especially with all the controversy uh, you know around the, the flash actor yeah uh i think most of the main reason that people went to watch that movie was that michael keaton was going to play batman in that movie absolutely and so and like i need to go watch it i will probably maybe go watch it tomorrow but hunter uh watched it and he said that that keaton still could play that role very well so. absolutely that that movie is just as much his movie as it is the flashes right yeah you can see him stealing every scene oh yeah, yeah absolutely so the other thing that's kind of wild about about those batman movies was like it's very early on and they kind of didn't know like like the superman costume from the 70s that's pretty simple that's just some spandex right yeah some leather boots and spandex cape yeah not, not a hard costume to wear and, and and move in right even though christopher reeves was not necessarily the most athletic of individuals at that time you know? but michael keaton he actually did what he needed to do like they talk about him working out for this movie and, and like how he bulked up for this movie to play this role but like i guess the suit was made but they like he had to bulk up to fit it yeah like don't get me wrong they had abs and everything sculpted into the movie and stuff but he bulked up to fit this movie but then when he got in it like his portrayal of batman is like 
the only knock that he ever had was like how how he moved and that was because of the suit the suit dictated how he moved like his neck movement was very weird in the movie yeah and i always thought that was he looked kind of like an owl but not really you know yeah that that's been a big thing in all the batman uh costumes too is not being able to turn their head yeah you can't like you got a cowl on dude like yeah. what are you gonna do um say what you will about this movie because yeah. I know it's kind of polarizing, but um, Batman v Superman with Ben Affleck uh, was, I think, the first one to kind of figure out how to make a cow that moves with its head. Right. And he can absolutely turn his head. Yeah. But back in 1989, that, that, that thing was just thick rubber. Well, I remember, like, they, they, that was one of the first things I ever remember as far as costumes go and stuff like that. Where if you went to like, you know, one of the the high end costume shops, they they licensed that uh, towel. The whole thing is a one piece setup, right? You slide your head through this thing, but they licensed it, and you could see like the same one that he wore was what you were would buy, and it would cost a god awful amount back then. It was like two hundred fifty, three hundred bucks back then, you know, for that cowl, and like you could see, like you could see how thick that thing was, and like what it was made out of, and how yeah. heavy it was. And you're like, okay, this makes sense. Even and when you see it up close, you're like, okay, that that makes perfect sense why he couldn't do this. But kind of got a knock on that whole costume setup. Like, uh, but there were some cool parts of that costume. Like he had some custom made. Uh, the first, I think, the first movie he wore, they were like some Nike flights or whatever. Yeah, cross, cross trainers. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Nike cross trainers, but they were like done up like like boots, like boots. Yeah, and then in you know he did uh, Batman Returns. He had a, you know they stepped up their game because that first one made a bunch of money. Everybody wanted to be part of. It. So Nike's like, oh yeah, we're gonna kick you some Jordans over here. <laughs> so I think they were like Jordan sixes. He had these all black custom yeah. high boots he made out of them. Dude, those those things are so sick too. Yeah. So like. In one aspect, the uniform, like, that's, that's what Michael Keaton talks about. Even. He's like, yeah, I can move, I could run really well in this suit, but, like, the whole upper body part weighed a ton, and I couldn't turn my head, and all that good stuff. So, I mean, you had those kind of problems. Um, let's see here. The, uh, but I thought Michael Keaton did a, a fantastic job. Um, like, people, like I said, they'll, they'll knock on that if they, you know, if they don't really really know what's going on uh, with his role so and you know there's some crazy things about about that movie that's uh different um i, kn- I know uh the big thing that kind of grabbed me about the costume was the utility belt oh yeah and how much stuff he had yeah that's that's the other thing they really you know i think you know burton in any of his movies he likes like there's always he's like crazy things going on you know yeah like anything he's touched is like you know, it's just wild yeah so he, he like, really leans into the detail on that stuff right so them to do that and, and he's you know he's got his like you know he's got his like cable all that stuff he's got the the the, the batarangs yeah. and, and all this kind of things you know like but they were actually looked pretty cool unlike like you see the ones in the '60s Batman when he like hit somebody with it and just kind of knock them out. Yeah, like this thing's gonna like stick. Like they never really 
kill anyone because it's Batman, right? But like he'll throw that thing and like stick their clothes or whatever to the to the wall, you know. So it's like you got to be pretty good at it, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I do know that, like for the longest time, they didn't they didn't want Keaton to play that role, you know. Like you said, he did like Mr. Mom and like Night Shift and yeah stuff like that and uh, more comedic roles. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I remember like the producers when they were setting the movie, like. Michael Uslan, he was talking about, like, he thought it was a prank when they brought this up. When they brought up that they were seriously thinking about, they're like, oh, Tim Burton's, like, pranking us here. Like, <laughs> why would we want to, you know. But once he did well in Beetlejuice and, and figured out he could work with Burton, you know, and Burton liked him, you know, it's like Tarantino hires the same actors because he knows what they can do and he knows how to direct them. Yeah. So the same thing, like, this one is. And now they're making a Beetlejuice 2 coming out soon. Yeah. That could be interesting. Keaton's just like coming back in a big way. Um, but it wasn't until Beetlejuice that they were convinced that Keaton was the right way to go with it. Um, I think uh, there were some other, you know, big stars at the time that were considered, you know, for the role. Like there, there, there's some weird comic book castings in. Like, even after this, they considered making a, an early X-Men movie. And, like, they were seriously thinking of casting uh, Danny DeVito as Wolverine at one point in time. That's a real thing. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. So, like, think about that, how that would have turned out. That would have been a little weird. Well, I, I love DeVito, but yeah, I can't, you know, just because he's short doesn't yeah. mean he can play <laughs> Wolverine, you know? Um. So I think, like, at the time, they were going to, like, so Mel Gibson was up for the, the role of Batman, uh, Bill Murray, Bill Murray. Bill Murray, yeah. I love Bill Murray, but I just, God. not Batman. Not that, Batman. Like, you know, everybody said not either, but, but yeah, definitely not Bill Murray yeah, no. for Batman. Kevin Costner, I just don't know oh. if he could have pulled, he'd have been <laughs> all right, but. That's interesting, because he ended up playing uh, John Kent later in the. He did. Super or uh, Man of Steel, Man of Steel, yeah. yeah. So you know he he got a he got that uh, superhero movie role eventually, right? And then so so it's all right, you know. Uh, and he he did a good at that role, you know. Yeah. So uh, Willem Dafoe, Tom Selleck, huh? Yeah. Uh, I, Harrison Ford, and Charlie Sheen, Ray Liotta, uh, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> uh, that was Pierce that, Brosnan. That was the the not so short list, but yeah. But Pierce Brosnan, like some of those guys, could have pulled all and that's what it was. They were talking about some of those guys could play um, Bruce Wayne, but not Batman. Yeah, vice versa. Like some of those guys could play Batman, but not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So you're like, wait a minute, like how's that work? You know. Um, I I think that's what happened with uh, Kelly Murphy uh, when. Oh yeah. So he he auditioned to play Batman in Batman Begins. And yeah. He was a great. Bruce Wayne, but he couldn't. He, he looked silly in the suit. Yeah, he's he's not a he's not he's not right for that Batman part no. of it. But yeah, Bruce Wayne, he could play it. And I know, like, uh, so let's talk about like back to like that early script type thing. I know they were like going to have the Penguin, and they were going to have Robin in there and stuff, and which I'm sure they kept that later for Batman Forever and all that good stuff. You know? Yeah, but um. So there was that stuff involved. Uh, Batman Returns, rather, not Batman Forever. Batman Returns. 
Um, ultimately, it took that movie was in production for ten years. Wow. Yeah, because when Superman did well, yeah, they they immediately started looking at their other, you know, options that they had in their in their in their little comic book wallet there, if you will. They're like, oh, let me see. Oh, what else do we have here? Can we make a movie about? You know. So they had that, um, and like I said, it was it was campy, like the '60s Batman there, but they decided to go darker with it. Um, but Jack Nicholson, I found out, was always, always the top guy, regardless of who was involved with the movie, from high up in Warner Brothers all the way down. He was always the guy to play the Joker. And he negotiated, like, probably the best movie deal ever at the time. You know you know about that? Uh, I, I don't know. So he, at the time, he was, his fee was $10 million a picture, right? Okay. So he says, I'll tell you what, I'll do it for six, because I know you guys are struggling, and I want to do this role. But I also... I'll do it for six up front. I'm going to get a percentage of all merchandising with my likeness on it. Oh, and related to the Joker. So I think he ended up making, as they talk about it now, he ended up making somewhere around, I think, nearly half a billion dollars off of that. Oh, my God. When it was, like, through the years. Yeah. As it went down. Well, they're, they're still making figures. That's what I'm saying. Like, he still gets paid for this. That's wild. Keaton gets the percentage as well, but not like a Jack Nicholson yeah, percentage. No. Wow. Jack got the big big dog percentage, you know. Um but yeah he was the only actor considered for the Joker. Um sorry. But uh Burton was not always sold on him. So Really? Yeah. He he wasn't completely sold on this is Burton. Burton likes yeah quirky characters, right? Like that's why he picked Keaton. You know, he wants somebody that's kind of quirky. Keaton's, Keaton's a, if you ever watch him do an interview, he's not, he can't stay still. He's he's a fun guy, but he's just, he's a Burton type of actor, you know. Yeah. He always what he wants. So, some of the guys that they picked, if you listen to the list, is is uh, that, that Burton one, was, his number one list was Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And he would make a good Joker. Oh, man. I am so sad he hasn't played the Joker I know, yet. right? That- and then James Wood, which would have been wild. Oh, wow. Uh, David Bowie, okay, and Robin Williams. Oh, I, I've heard that one before. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that one, but I didn't know. I didn't know about you know that Willem Dafoe was actually on like a short list. Of, yeah, but Jack's got Jack had the power. You know, he's like, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm gonna play this part. Um, but yeah, but they were like again. They were gonna initially. Uh, Eddie Murphy was up for the Batman role, and then. With the original script right, they had him playing Robin, but then they ditched the Robin character when they rewrote the script. So you could have had Michael Keaton playing Batman and Eddie Murphy playing Robin. Oh my god! At the time, and that would have been a wild movie. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I just don't, I just don't know. And uh, Vicky Vale, right? Kim Basinger. Yeah, she didn't have that role at first. It was actually. Uh, uh, Sean Young from Blade Runner. Oh, she was in that role. She had it locked down, and she filmed 
like the first few weeks, but they had this initial, there was going to be this like uh, horse scene in there, horse riding scene. He fell off the horse and got got injured really badly. So they he couldn't film. And that's why she didn't film for a long time after that. And then they huh. had to replace her. Basically, Kim Basinger joined overnight. Like she just like flew her out to England like immediately and she played. Yeah. I wonder if there's any um any of that footage that, I don't, that I don't made know. it. I'd have to look that up a little bit more, but that'd be interesting to see how that yeah. and I don't know if there's anything like that. So I know there's like huh. that the Back to the Future, you know. You know about that. That you know he wasn't the original Marty McFly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then they actually there's actually scenes filmed and it's just it is weird. Yeah. Yeah, I, you need to watch the Flash movie. Okay, yeah, <laughs> there that gets talked about in the Flash movie. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can see them doing an alternate timeline type deal. But yeah, so uh, I guess in Danny Elfman at the time he wasn't well known, musically speaking. No, he he just done like uh, he was he had his band Oingo Boingo, and yeah, then, Oingo. yeah, and then uh, he did. A couple scores like he, he had done uh, Beetlejuice, right? But that's, nothing that, that got him that got him to the table is what they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Beetlejuice score got him to the table, but then they still weren't sure about him because he hadn't finished the theme yet. Yeah, the theme they wanted the theme song, and he hadn't finished it yet for the movie. But he was playing the other stuff like, oh, here's this scene, that scene. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, they played the actual theme song. To, uh, you know, Batman, the the one that everybody knows now. When you hear it, it's Danny Elfman. You're like, oh, okay, yeah. But he uh, he didn't win that until he got that. Then they're like, okay, that's great. You can do whatever you want to now. They left him alone after that. But it was pretty much like it. everybody was just kind of like on the precipice of losing their job <laughs> making this film. Like, oh, one mistake and it's over for you, buddy. Yeah, you know, it's like, wait a minute. Um. But Elfman wasn't the only musical influence in the movie, right? He was not. So who else was involved? He had Prince. Prince, yeah. And it's now looking back, you know, I was like, I was like, I was a kid at the time, and Hunter was definitely. Where were you at, Hunter? I wasn't even alive. Wasn't even yet. alive yet, no, right? I, I was negative six years old. Negative when six that man. years old. So, but at the time, you know, Prince was had a lot of big hits. Like everybody knew Prince was, you know. Yeah. And then he. Uh, he hadn't had a hit in a while. I think like his last probably hit was in at that time was in like eighty six. So this is three years later. That's a long time, and you know, in, in the music world. Yeah. So he hadn't. He was under contract with Warner Brothers, right? So they brought him in. You know, because they already got him under contract. Whole yeah. things like that, right? I mean, if you have an asset, you you got to exploit it. Right. I guess him and. You know, him and Burton didn't necessarily see eye to eye as far as it was a wild thing was because Burton's a Burton is an admittedly a, a Prince fan. He loves his music. He just and like they would listen to his older stuff at the time, like while they're, you know, on breaks and stuff, film of it. And when he brought him in, there was some tension between the two because, you know, Burton's got his vision for the movie and and musically he wants this stuff to fit in. So there was some rewrites there. But Prince, knowing being smart business wise, and knowing what he needed to do, he went ahead and was like, whatever you want, man. 
<laughs> you know, and that's that's not typical Prince stuff. Usually he's a control guy, you know. Yeah. But he gave up some control because he knew he needed it, and he he came up with some. There's some weird stuff there, but he had some good music too. But you know, he had the the bat dance. Yep. Oh yeah. And there's like a party man. Party man, which is you know the Joker's theme while he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. You know so. But I guess there was some rewrites for that that sort of thing. Um, another big thing that was odd in this movie was uh, that was changed from comic book canon, if you will, was uh, who actually killed uh, Batman's parents. Yeah, you know, it's like, that's like a twist in the movie, you know. You know, once once you you know, at first it's a shadowy figure that kills. The, you know his parent and you see that kind of play out then the guy runs off and he's never caught right and so that leads to batman becoming batman right or bruce wayne seeing that and having to deal with that at a young age becoming batman but then later on they discover that it was jack napier yep. that, that killed him and jack napier is the joker in this one which is jack napier which is a little you know easy to remember his name i guess in that one so, yeah have you ever noticed a lot of his roles. Yeah. The, the main character that he Jack. plays is Jack. Jack. Yeah. Always Jack. Jack Torrance. He's like, it's a great name for a movie. I'm going to put that in there. I can yeah. see him being that way, you know. Um, But yeah, so that was kind of a departure. And some true big time comic book fans didn't really care for that. You know what I mean? They were like, wait a minute. This guy did what? He changed this up on him. But I thought it was a, a pretty cool thing there to do like like as far as like oh okay you tied it in real well with that yeah you know and it makes it even more of the reason of you know why they're even more so at the end you know adversarial towards each other you know yeah but i guess like the very last scene they talk about how it was made and it wasn't even written until halfway so the basically the first half of the movie was it was in the can you know they're like wait a minute uh but yeah so we talked about the, the movement. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't, I, I don't know too many people that haven't seen this film. Um, you know, if you haven't seen it, uh, I definitely recommend you know, kind of watching this thing. Uh, it still holds up, I think. They're, they're, I think now, as dark as they tried to be at that time, I think now it's still kind of, uh, now you're looking back, it's, there's a little camp involved there. Yeah. Like the Joker kind of dancing through there. And like, I like the 40s outfits he wears, but like that one with the floppy hat, that's kind of weird. <laughs> like that <laughs> yeah. floppy, that looks like he's wearing like a shower yeah. type, uh, cap. And I'm just like, I don't know about that. Like, that's just a weird, weird outfit. But uh, it was another weird thing that I found out was that Jack Nicholson talked to Jerry Buss, the owner of the Lakers. You know, and mm-hmm. and got, I guess they got it trademarked. Got permission to use Lakers purple for the Joker's purple outfits. It was never it was never allowed to be used in, a, in you know outside of that before. Yeah, but obviously, the only thing about Nicholson, he's he's like a lifelong Lakers fan. He's like had courtside seats reserved for decades now. Yeah, man's like ninety years old now. He, you know, he still goes to the games. I guess he went this year for yeah. the first time in forever. So, but yeah, so he he was able to use that uh, that kind of uh, setup there. 
like I said, uh, they were going to make that film um, in the back lot in, in Burbank, but you know they changed the location to Pinewood Studios in England, and they, like I said, they spent just an exorbitant amount of money at the time to uh, to basically film that there, getting everybody over there, paying for everybody to live over there, um, you know, all that good stuff. Yeah, it it had a a budget of forty eight million dollars. Yeah. But Which I think crazy. But I think it was actually supposed to be thirty-eight million, and then yeah, they yeah. bumped it up because you know that's how some of that goes. I guess in their uncharted territory, they didn't know how that thing was gonna do. But also, shortly thereafter, uh, this thing launched a, another, like I think more so as like a kid, uh, another quintessential, you know, Batman series, and that's the the animated series. Yeah, with uh, you had uh, Mark Hamill, you know, voicing the Joker, and uh, who did Batman? Man? Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy, who yeah. recently passed away. Yeah, but uh, had the opportunity to meet him one time at a con. Uh, I believe it was Cincinnati, maybe. It's, it's case me right now. I can't remember. But I kind of met him there. He's a really nice guy. Yeah. one of the nicest guys I've ever met as far as celebrities go. That met, I've not met Mark Hamill. I'd love to sometime. Yeah, but uh, yeah, could you imagine? Uh, you know, Luke Skywalker uh, voicing the Joker, and he does a phenomenal job. If you've never heard his voice work in that, that the animated series, I mean, that's that's something to definitely catch. Led to that whole thing, and those two continued their uh, voice acting roles for those two characters in like uh, the Arkham games and. Uh, the animated Justice League show. Oh yeah, you you know, if you already got a good formula, like at least that's one thing about you know, like the DC wise, the animated series are always fantastic. Yeah, like it's like you know, please make a good movie you hope for. Yeah, but don't just make a good Batman movie. Like make good other DC movies because you got some stuff to do there, but they just can't quite get that formula down i've had some people actually you know write in about like us discussing why dc just has a hard time making good movies yeah there's a myriad of issues it, with that it, it seems like they'll make one good one and then they'll make like two or three bad ones yeah and there's no continuity or no common thread between any of them yeah um, it's like why are you why are you doing it this way there's a there is the marvel formula you know what i mean it's like, do that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I guess uh, as of recently, um, you know, they had that uh, continuation comic book series um, announced from uh, Sam Ham and Joe Quinones. Supposed to do oh, yeah, the, the Batman 89 yeah. comic. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It's the continuation of that of this movie, though. I, I like that they used um, Billy D. Williams uh as two-face because yeah he he was harvey dent in the batman 89 but you never see him go to two-face they they go to tommy lee jones for some reason yeah i don't know why they i don't know why they switched i don't know what happened there i need to look into like what went down there you know like why did they switch characters yeah like but yeah it was it was billy d williams at first and uh i meant billy d williams as well 
he's a really nice guy. He's he's just he's just getting up in age, so he's like, yeah, you know, you, you got to catch him early at the at the cons. <laughs> I mean, otherwise he's like, he might be trying to take a nap or something. <laughs> Which I don't blame him because I mean, if you you know, by the time you you're through with a con all day, you're like, uh, time to take a nap. But I get that. Yeah, but it, you know, so it has some crazy you know plot lines in in this movie. Uh, uh, you can kind of do an abridged version of it if you haven't ever seen it. You know, it's like you you got you, you, movie kind of starts off with um, you know Bruce Wayne is having a a, a gala event, right? Um, and uh, you kind of get that flashback scene of his parents and stuff, but then you got the Carl Grissom, who's the, the overall mob crime boss in Gotham Yeah, in this series, right? You got him, and his second in command is Jack Napier, who's ascended to that level. He went from that street-level thug all the way up to, you know, second in command, you know, a capo in the mob, you know. But he's not the greatest of guys, obviously, right? Yeah. So he's got he's got a lot of character flaws one of those is is that uh, he is uh, sleeping with his boss's mistress. Yeah, you know, not his wife, but his mistress. Uh, yeah, uh, boss doesn't like that. He finds out about it, um, so he sends uh, Jack to raid this Axis chemical plate. Right, he's gonna. He's got some, supposed to have some incriminating uh, paperwork there, and get rid of this. He gets there, and well, it's a big. Uh, basically, it's a it's a big ambush. Yeah, he does. He he's he tells the cops to be there, the ones who got on the payroll and stuff like that. And Batman hears about it. Of course, he shows up. We've been ratted out, boys. Yeah, we've been <laughs> ratted out, boys. Been double crossed. So you know, he goes on about, and uh, so he's trying to run through there, and he's you know trying to escape. He doesn't want to get caught. You know, he's been living this life. He knows what's up. As he goes through there, he uh, kind of slips one time, right? Dealing with the Batman. And Batman can't hold the grip on him. He falls into this vat of chemicals. It's supposed to be acid, right? Yeah. But, and it leaves him, you know, you think he's dead. But he gets flushed out, right? Into the, of course, you flush all your chemicals out into the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he gets flushed. Yeah, basically, he gets flushed down this drain. It's the eighties. There, yeah, there's like, no conservation back then. Yeah, you know, and that's. You know, I'm sure at some point in time, if DC had the rights to Ninja Turtles, they'd do. That's the how they started. You know, <laughs> I'm sure they would do, but they didn't have it at the time. So, but yeah, so the guy gets flushed out. Jack gets flushed out. He's now kind of disfigured, disfigured and stuff. He's got this. I I do like the. Uh, not a living dead shot where he, yeah, his, hand his hand comes, comes out, out of the, the water. Yeah, that is that is a good one. Yeah, you knew Burton was going to do something like that. He's just that's his style. But he tries to go have plastic surgery. Remember this? Yeah. And the guy leaves him with that like uh, that, that rictus grin they call it or whatever. Yeah. So he's got this like constant over exaggerated grin. You know. Yeah. Looks really creepy yeah he's, it's super he's, disturbing and he's wearing the makeup remember he's like because yeah. he's he's pasty white like his skin's left that way yeah all discolor all all coloration is gone so he's like using you know like makeup so he looks really really strange the first little bit of it and he goes to 
he goes to see his girl, right? She's like, <laughs> kind of freaked out by him, but she has to play along because I mean he's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, but he takes he takes revenge instantly on his old boss, right? Yep. Takes over the whole mob at that point in time, so he's just ascended to the very top level of criminality that he can, you know. So he's going to get, he's not happy about what's going on with him. And now he realizes he has all this power. So he's going to start like terrorizing Gotham City. He's going to take over. He wants revenge on the Batman and all that, right? Yeah. So he, uh, I guess he even vents this chemical called Smilex. Smilex. Uh, that, that scene in the newsroom where uh, the, the lady like, I guess she had been using the Smilex right. infected stuff. That for around the time when I watched it for the first time, that was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Where she, where she ends up on the floor, and yeah. Stuff. Where, where she completely freaks out and just yeah, dies. Just di- and she dies from it. it's like well, that's what it does. It's a uh, it basically causes you to die laughing. Yeah, it, it you laugh yourself to death and you end up with the Joker smile. Like that grin. Yeah, it, it's that's, super that's, creepy. It, it's creepy for the time. I like guess like it's very. You can tell it's very Tim Burton horror movie like. Yeah. Very horror movie esque. Um. So. In this time too, he also, much like much like Bruce Wayne has done, Batman, they they both become infatuated with Vicky Vale. Like the, who who's played by Kim Bassinger in here. I mean, yeah, understandably. Yeah, she's, she's an attractive she's pretty, lady. Yeah, like pretty it, attractive. Yeah, she's in her in her prime in this this era. Yeah, you know, so she's in there and, and like so. Not only are not only does he want to take over Gotham and get rid of the Batman, and, but now they're like, you know, competing for the the affections of Vicky Vale. You know, she's got a thing for Batman, but obviously not a thing for for. You know, sociopath Jack Napier over here, <laughs> but he's gonna make her have a thing for him, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of a whole thing. Another, you know, during this time uh, in the movie, so there's a whole like where he, you know, he lures her to the Museum of Art, and they start vandalizing the whole place. Yeah. And, you know, tearing up everything, and that's when they're kind of playing with music and stuff yeah. like that. Party man. Yeah, party man, right? Uh, and then she gets so she gets rescued by the Batman, right? And he doesn't really do it, but Alfred Pennyworth, you know the the you know Batman's butler, manservant type guy. Yeah, he uh, he well, takes her. This is this is a controversial. Like people didn't like this. Comic book people didn't like this at the time. He took Vicky Vale into the Batcave. Nobody goes to the Batcave, but Batman and Alfred, you know, like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is like, why is there this, why is there this rando? <laughs> like, uh, like, why is Vicky Bell down here? Like, she doesn't even know about this, you know? So, uh, so he, he comes, you know, part of that deal was, you know, right before that, he visits her apartment and he kind of, uh, is gonna like, he's conflicted. Bruce Wayne is, right? Do I show up as Bruce Wayne and tell her I'm Batman? And how's this going? You know, he wants, he's in love with her, so he wants to, uh, 
does he reveal his secret identity to her or not? You know, that's kind of kind of how it is. But the Joker interrupts the meeting, right? And he says his famous line, "You want to get nuts? Nope. Let's get nuts." That's not the one. Oh, <laughs> that's that's another famous that, one. That's though. a great line. I know you like that one. But he, he says, <laughs> you know, at the time of super famous, it's like, "Oh, have yeah. you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight?" Yeah, and that's like that was a killer line. Oh yeah. So, but that I, that that sparks the memory of uh, him killing exactly. So Thomas and Martha Wayne, absolutely. Yeah. So that's when, yeah, that's when, you know, and then Keaton's Bruce Wayne remembers. Yeah, he's like, hold up, because Napier said that right I've after. I've heard that before. Yeah, right, right at that moment, he says it back then, and he said it again now. So now he knows. Um, and he actually shoots Batman at the time. Yeah. Or Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's not in a bat armor, you know, not in a bat suit. He's he snuck that uh that metal tray and yeah, shirt though. He pulled a pulled a Clint Eastwood, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah, some some uh good, the bad, and the ugly series there. You yep. know, he had a metal tray in there, blocked the shot. So for a minute there though, like the audience you're like, it's kill Batman. Like people are freaking <laughs> out, you know, like you can't kill you can't kill Batman. Uh and he gets back up, goes in there. But like I said, then she ends up in the Bat Cave and he lets Vicky know who he is, you know, and stuff like that. Again, nice to get, it's like a, it's a weird moment because like comic book fans are like, no, no. Ba- Batman is never going to give up like who he really is. You know, you got to um, Hollywood it up though. Oh yeah, exactly. You got to have a, got to have the love yeah. angle in there, you know, um, same thing happened like Hellboy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right, we'll have to go over some Hellboy between those movies. Oh yeah. And that new one. Now the Joker's out there on the loose. They've got this whole like kind of professing their love for each other. I'm Batman type thing out of the way. So the movie kind of moves on from there. Um, so he's gonna he's got this big plan now that you know with Smilex. He's going to uh, you know, make this stuff uh, and. There's a big parade, like the it's like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but in Gotham City, right? Yeah. So there's all these big giant balloons, you know, different characters of this and that, and he's gonna fill these balloons full of this, uh, the gas version of the Smilex. Yeah. And basically, like, just wipe out the entire city. You know. And so he's gonna go do that. Um, they're in those giant parade balloons. Batman comes in with something super cool at that point in time. Yeah, probably uh, my favorite gadget in that movie, yeah. the the Batwing. Yeah, it comes out with the Batwing, you know. Uh, but eventually, they, you know, he he so he kind of stops everything. He takes he basically like collects all the balloons with the Batwing, right? Yeah. Flies them off. Yeah, and then crashes the Batwing, right? Does he crash it? Does he crash I, it? I, I need. Oh. I can't remember. Oh, no, he, he just lets them go and the, they the, fly away. The Joker shoots him down, though. Oh, yeah, That's with a giant. With a giant, <laughs> like, you know, was it probably two foot long barrel? Yeah, that, it's, it's crazy. Just, it's just kind of ridiculous. Pulls it out of his waistband. Yeah, and just shoots him down <laughs> with this crazy big gun. But that was a big deal, was it's like, that was part of the marketing, right? Part of the marketing deal was they said, oh, you're going to, because originally, he was supposed to crash the Batmobile, but they're like the Batmobile is uncrashable. You can't do that. Yeah, no. We got to have that. We got to show the kids that like that toy is indestructible. You know, 
it makes more sense if the bat wing crashes because it flies. Yeah. But you're not crashing a car. So it's super weird, but, and that's why I like that the Batmobile never gets injured and in that, like, doesn't get hurt in any way in that, in that film is because it's like under contract that that thing is, you know, impregnable, impenetrable. It has that, like, uh, fold up shield that absolutely is basically it. like a cocoon that yeah. pops over the top of it yeah, yeah. so it's like a turtle yeah. going in the <laughs> shell but but yeah so that was that was the reason for that marketing right but oh speaking of the batmobile it, it uh had those sweet machine guns on the on either side of it yeah and it like shoots a square out of the wall and yeah, so you can go right through. through it yeah. yeah they knew what they were doing yeah dude <laughs> that that car is awesome yeah so when the kids saw that thing it, you know and and I was at the, uh, you know, like I felt like a little kid again when I was at the Peterson Museum out in L.A. The Peterson Museum is this giant car museum. And it has this, like, the craziest cars you'll ever see. They got movie cars. They got, like, you know, some cars that were owned by Steve McQueen, like Steve McQueen's Jaguar, uh, like the Lamborghini uh, Countach that is on all the, the white one that's on all those posters you see from, like, the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That car's there, but they had the Warthog from, you know, yeah, like Halo in there. I, I need one of those. But they had they had one of the Batmobiles there, like one of the Batman 89 Batmobiles. And when you're next to that thing, it is ginormous. Yeah. Like, you like, Tim Burton's like, I'm going to make this thing huge. And this is exactly what it is. It's, it's a giant uh, car. Like, it, you stand, you know, I have to show you a picture of it later, but. Uh, you stand next to that thing, you're like, that's a, that's a giant feet. Like, the, the front of that thing's like 20 feet long, and then the back of it's like another 10 feet long. It's like a 30 <laughs> foot long car. You're like, this is crazy. But, yes. There's, there's actually one, uh, I, I don't know who has it, but there's one in Richmond somewhere. Uh, if, if anyone knows who has this yeah, Batman who, 89. Yeah, who has this Batman 89 car? Yeah, let us know. know. We'd but, like to check it out. Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, I'll see it driving around. I'm like, oh, man. There goes Batman. Right. So, but that's what leads to this part where, so they, they shoot, he shoots down the Batwing with that ginormous gun. Everybody's saved because the Smile X is disabled. But uh, the Joker takes Vicky hostage, right? Yep. Takes her to the top of this cathedral. So that was the crazy thing, too, was like they spent an extra, I think, I think it was $200,000 to build this cathedral because, again, this thing wasn't even part of the movie. Until part way, until midway through, They're like, oh, we got to build this cathedral because I just wrote this. So the, they just kept adding just more kept and more adding, onto that budget, adding more onto the end. Yeah, so, yeah. So they were able to use that thing, um, you know, as like kind of the they wanted to. Just Tim Burton said he wanted to do this kind of like Phantom of the Opera type ending. Yeah, you know, we're they're running through the belfries of this thing, you know, and that and that's and that's what they do. Um. So he basically takes. Vicky to the top of this thing. Um, they're fighting through this entire building. Um, so he he lets you know, Batman wise he lets uh, Napier know that he's the one that killed his parents. Like he hadn't told him just yet. This, this final, you know, kind of the conclusion is when he tells him, and he says, uh, you know you are the reason that I was created. You indirectly created me by, you know, killing my parents. That was, that was the catalyst for me, you know, becoming, uh, you know, Batman. 
Um, so that, that also leads the Joker to realize that, hey, Batman is Bruce Wayne because I know who I killed. You know, so he's dealing with that. Uh, so they end up pulling both Batman and Vicky over the roof of this cathedral and they're hanging there. Um, that's kind of a whole big, like, you know, dramatic scene, you know, big ending scene. Um, and they're fighting the whole way through. So, when they pull him over, he, he, he calls the helicopter, the Joker does. He's got like a, got his little, little radio, right? So he's, he calls this helicopter to come pick him up. So he thinks he's going to get rescued. They come down, they drop a little ladder, whatever. Batman, he's Batman, right? So he pulls a gadget out, right? He pulls a little grappling hook type, his little, his little uh, cable gun out, right? The, the, the bat gun. And he shoots the cable, wraps it around his foot, pulls the Joker off. He gets caught on a, on a gargoyle. On a gargoyle, yeah. yeah. So he, but he eventually, eventually falls to his death, right? Yeah. Batman's able to rescue Vicky. Of course, that's how that, that's how that thing ends, right? He's got but, that uh, little laughing machine in his pocket. So, oh yeah. So when he he's dead and he's like laying there smiling, he he looks like he's still <laughs> laughing. Yeah, just doing that the whole time. Super so, creepy. It is super creepy. It's a very creepy ending, man. When you when you when you kind of watch that, but the yeah, the, that poor ancient gargoyle couldn't hold up. Lost him. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the end of Jack. Uh, we don't see him come back. That particular Joker, we don't see him come back. So nope. I guess He's a I guess that was it, you know. Yep. Um, you know, then then you have Commissioner Gordon, right? He announces that, uh, you know, you get a little kind of ending the resolution, resolution, you know, after all the dramatic stuff is over, the dramatic part, you know. He, uh, he says he's arrested all the Joker's men um, and basically squashed the mafia. Yeah, um, but they and that's when they unveil something pretty cool, uh, the bat signal, right? Yeah. So you got this thing. So if you don't know what the bat signal is, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> you need to read some more Batman. That's pretty, pretty iconic. Pretty iconic. Like you'll, you know, you'll, you'll see it like in pretty much every Batman movie, just about. Yep. You know, some I'm, fashion or another. Yeah, some way or another, that that thing pops up in there. You know, yep. and like. You know, I remember even there was like, you'd see, you'd, you'd go to car shows and stuff, and people would like open up their door and the light would shine down and it'd be like the bat, you know, symbol. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. So you'd always see things like that. Um, so, you know, Batman leaves a, a note to the police, right? It says anytime they're needing him, all they got to do is hit the bat signal. And he'll, you know, come to help them, whatever. Then, the, you know, course it shows him you know at the end from a rooftop right watching you know like you gotta do the typical superhero batman yeah you know brooding brooding superhero pose at the end yeah. right but you know the lasting you know legacy of that film was is like at the time like comic book movies were considered you know basically a uh, a no start any any movie studio, yeah. like they weren't gonna like we're not we're not putting this out, you know. And, and there, there wasn't a ton of them at that time either. No, and and then it it didn't. It took a while for 
you know, like people started making them, but it took a while for them to be, you know, successful. Yeah. Um, they would still make some money, but it wasn't like this. This yeah. made crazy money. Yeah. Um, I don't, I really don't think it was until like really, really until they, you know, the other Batman movies always did well. Yeah. Like, some of them did better than others. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And we'll talk about some of those other ones, but some of them did better than others, but they, they always did well. But then, at that point in time, there was like, no other movie, no other comic movie can do well, but Batman. Spawn movie did okay. Yeah. But it really wasn't until like, honestly, until like, late. Like, way late. Yeah. When was that? When did that no. come out? Uh, was it 99? Yeah, somewhere in there. Like, that was really like, that was a well-made movie in general. Yeah. Had good actors. Uh, X Men. X Men did yeah. pretty well. I was saying, but yeah, that so it, that I I will always tie in that Blade led into them being able to make those kinds of movies. Yeah, absolutely. And then now you have, you know, much like uh, I don't know why Warner Brothers really abandoned, it, but much like they did, you have Disney with its entire, you know, monumental power behind everything, uh, making blockbuster after blockbuster i mean they've had some they've here lately they've had some, some ones that didn't do as well captain marvel stuff and yeah it didn't that didn't do as well um as i don't know how the new captain marvel or marvel movie you know i'm out yeah yeah i don't know how that's gonna do but um i we'll see it, i guess I think they wasted a good Beastie Boys song. Absolutely. In the trailer but, uh, for the... They used a great one in Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah. that's all yeah, that matters. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, product placement. You know. Yeah. But yeah, because Hunter and I both are you know, ginormous Beastie Boys fans. So uh, anytime you, you got them in a in a comic book movie. Yeah. You know. Or even when it was in uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a great use of that's probably yeah. one of the best uses of their music, you know. Yeah. That's perfect. save the universe to some yeah. intergalactic. That's a perfect song for that. You know what I mean? But yeah, we've had a, a few, you know, a few movies get made, but this, this movie right here, Batman 89, it basically, uh, allowed for an entire, uh, universe worth of movies to be made. Uh, we're going to have to do a whole thing about how, uh, a whole episode basically on why we think that the DC movies don't really uh, really do as well as some of the Marvel stuff. Marvel, they just have a very good formula. Yeah. You know, that they build, they take, they play the long game. They build out an entire universe on that um, thing. Uh, DC just kind of like tries to throw some things together and, and hope these characters will stick, you know. And they keep changing actors too much, man. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of what hurts DC is studio interfer- and oh, interference and Good lord. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which, I mean, we could do a whole segment on that. But Oh, yeah. They, they just have, you know, all kinds of problems. Yeah. Like, they, they don't communicate with each other. Uh, like, if they start not, you know, they don't let a director see his vision to the end yeah a lot of times like even like like you if you change 
you know, it's like anything. If you change management partway through the project, it's not going to go well. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's generally what happens with a lot of the yeah. Justice League movie that could have been phenomenal. Yep. It wasn't bad. It's just you change leadership throughout. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be interested in, in they're just going to phone it in, basically. Yeah. And obviously that approach doesn't work because, uh, Star Wars did the same thing, and it was catastrophe yeah, for them it, too. So yeah, so it's like it's across the board. Like, just stop doing that. You yeah. know, uh, definitely have a plan, right, for your franchise. Yeah, leading into that. Yeah, so, but uh, you got anything else about this uh, Batman eighty nine that you can? It's an awesome movie. It's an awesome movie. It still holds up. It still holds up. Check it out um, if you haven't. Uh, seen it which most people have um it, it plays on reruns on the occasion yeah i think it's been on tv here recently simply because of the flash and the, the interest in you know heaton's batman yeah. returning um, fantastic movie i think it still holds up like i said it's a little more campy now than it was intended to back then considering, yeah considering how old it is yeah things have definitely gotten a lot more grittier and uh darker lately so it kind of makes that seem a little more campy but, right um if you haven't seen the flash movie uh i i would recommend it just because of batman batman's great in that movie um if you can get past the really bad cgi and just ex- enjoy it for what it is yeah, i heard i heard there was some rough rough cgi yeah. in there yeah. um but yeah, Batman's awesome in it. Uh, he picks up right where he left off and uh, Batman Returns. Yeah. Uh, Did you ever, uh, I don't I know, cause I know you're not the, the biggest of uh, video game fans, but did you ever play the video game version oh, yeah, of this the, one? For uh, uh, NES? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that it's, game's fun. It's a, it's not easy. It is not easy. Really, really none of those type yeah. of games are. Yeah, none of those NES games are, are super easy. Like uh, Double Dragon, stuff like that. Yeah, that's a, all those games are hard to play. Uh, it's funny, like, you'll see some of the, you know, like, I'll hook those up. There'll be some kid or something trying to play that, and you're just like, they're freaking out because they're like, why is this so hard? At, yeah. Like, why is this so hard? I was like, like you, they're like, you die once, you got to start all the way over again? Yeah. Like, yep, that's this. That's how it is back in those days, you yep. know. Um, but yeah, so you had, uh, you know, had a solid film here. It was it was good. Um, like I said, launched an entire, you know, Batman, you know, franchise. Launched it out. I mean, you know, Batman. There was a there was a movie before that, and it was the '60s Batman. You know. Yeah, which was super cheesy, super yep. campy. Shark spray, shark spray. There's a shark biting him on the leg and just hanging on, and like it's giant. Great, it's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but and then like they reduce the entirety of the world's leadership down to they dehydrate them. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Like they got a dehydration ray. They're all like turning the little piles of dust, <laughs> and they gotta like keep them in little. I was like, this is crazy. Uh, it's wild. It, you know? Yeah. Like it's all bang, pow, zap. But you know, it's it's got its place in history, and and 
you know, Adam West, if you never, like, I met him before as well, before he passed away. That guy, like, that, that he was Adam West. That's it, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, I think at a certain point in time that, that the role, they become the, the same thing. Yeah. Like, the same character, you know? That, that, you know, they have to play that part the entire time, you know? But, uh, yeah, some, some little housekeeping things we got going on. Like, we hope to do some more uh, of these the series here. Like I said, we're trying to do a series of, of the Batman movies, and we'll kind of go over those. Uh, some of them were better than others. Some of the character designs were left lacking. Um, we're going to try to do some other episodes in between. If you guys have anything you want to hear about, um, want us to do the research on, or look into and, and hear us talk about, we greatly appreciate it if you just uh, send us some uh you know, through any of the social media accounts, it's, uh, you know, Commonwealth Comics on uh, Instagram. Um, we got the the Twitter. Yep. As a, as we're, we're trying to get a YouTube thing going on too. Yep. We're gonna try to get on YouTube right now. You can you can only find us on the Spotify. Yeah. On Spotify, we'll be there. Um, you know, but it it plays well on there. Hopefully, our sound is a lot better for you guys. Um, yeah. You know, we got some things in the future we want to do. Gonna get some people on here to talk to, do some interviews, figure out how all that goes. We're going to uh, probably try to do some, uh, you know, live broadcasts from uh, Comic Con. See how that goes with all the background sound. That could be <laughs> in- that could be interesting. Um, may- maybe the first one of those we do would be, the, you know, the future. On that Todd Sulford is going to put on here in Richmond, and we'll we'll try to promote that as much as possible because he's always good to us. Um, so if you hear us talking about <laughs> Comics Plus a lot, it's like we're we're not, you know, we're not sponsored by him. It's just that that's where we get our comics at. Yeah, that's our you know local comic shop, and that's who we try to you know promote as much as possible. Don't get me wrong; there's some great shops here and there and everywhere else, but that's our people. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to promote those, and those other shops in, in Lexington. I'm sure they're, they're fine and stuff like that. And I go to a few of them, but, uh, yeah, my main comic shop is comics plus in Richmond, Kentucky. Um, make sure wherever you're at it, wherever you're listening from, make sure you go to your local place too. You don't have to order these books online, and have them delivered, go down there, uh, talk to some people. Uh, that's how Hunter and I got into this. We, talk at the comic shop and talk about this debate this sort of stuff and yeah about back and forth um you know i've always said it um i've never really heard it said but by anybody else but i always say that like you know you talk about the the, the barber shop being the, the spot to meet and talk with with folks but like the the comic shop is the barber shop for nerds yeah we show up there and I, i've never heard these. that but yeah. absolutely it's definitely that it's 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 it is the barbershop for nerds. We sit there and talk about this stuff. And sometimes we get fired up about stuff. It's like <laughs> it's like that scene in Coming to America when they're talking about Rocky Marciano, <laughs> this and that. We're like, will Superman beat this guy, or will, or will you know, you know, who's who's you know, oh yeah, everybody's like Superman's the the. I was like, but I'm always I'm always the guys who are like, man, Superman's lame. <laughs> People are like, he's an alien that can do all this stuff. I'm like, he's still lame. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I like. There's been a few times in, in the world when he's not been lame, like when, you know, Henry Cavill's playing him and he's yeah. like rescuing people out in the 
Bering Sea and stuff. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. Like like do more of that stuff. Yeah, know? for real. Don't don't give him like you know the ability to have super dance and like he's got some weird powers. Like why is this a <laughs> why is this a thing? Why is this even an option? Like why do we have this stuff? You know. So hopefully uh, we'll get to that point. But yeah, the you know, comic shop is definitely fits that bill. If you're ever down there, just you know, talk to some people, see what they're into. You know, you go to Comics Plus, talk to Jewett, tell him what he, ask him what he's, you know, what he's reading. Some of it may be super wild, but yeah, he's got a pretty good idea of what what books are good. You know, if you listen to our little tidbits we have about which ones are good, I mean, you don't always have to go with what we got, but uh, we try to read good books. So hopefully, we help you guys, you know, make an educated decision if you're, you know, early on into it. Then later on, when after you've been in it for a while and you know how the whole thing works, you can you can make those decisions on your own, you know. Yeah. But digging some dollar bins, find some weird stuff. Yeah, dollar bins. Every once in a while, you'll find some dollar bin gold. Yeah. You know. That's when, that's how I found a lot of my favorite books in, in dollar bins. Absolutely. I we need to do we need to do a whole thing on like going to cons and, and find out what we got on the dollar bin for that day or whatever. Yeah. Like, he's like, I picked this out. Why'd you pick that? I was like, oh, look at it. It's wild, <laughs> you know? And, like, sometimes you'll find, like, some super rare stuff in there. It's like, you know, it's not worth a lot of money, but, like, maybe some dude, you know, back in, like, 1987, self, you know, published this book and just, like, made six of them and dropped them off at random comic shops, you know? That yeah. happens. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that's how it used to be done. They would you know, go down to whatever print shop and be like, I want this printed out. That That's a lot of outlaw comics right yeah, there. Outlaw comics are that yeah. way. Um, you know, and nowadays, like I think Jewett found some book the other day at like the, at the library that was part of the, the you know, I guess they got comic books as part of the, the, the free books in there. Yeah. And that free book section, check your library. You'll be able to find. I keep meaning to go by there. Yeah. He, he tells me about it all the time. What is that? And if you're in bigger cities, you know, like they have those free library um, little spots you can stop by. You know, oh, the little uh, the little lending library. Yeah, yeah, whatever. yeah. So you can go in there and pick some books up out of there and read those because I know people put comic books in those. And yeah, you can you can drop off the ones you're done with in there. And, yeah. You know, you can you know people will be happy to have them. I, I'd assume you know people that utilize those things, but you can do all that stuff building libraries and all that um but yeah we're just trying to trying to grow this so um did want to give a uh, quick shout out to john meldrum for giving this idea to us uh oh, yeah. he, he requested the batman series so yeah uh, so hopefully he listens and <laughs> yeah thank you john you know trying to grow the listeners and make it a little more appealing um but that's pretty much all we're going to have for today. Uh, thanks, guys, for joining us on this episode of Commonwealth Comic Podcast, uh, where we explored uh, the groundbreaking film Batman 89. Join us next time as we dive into another chapter of Batman's cinematic journey. Remember to subscribe, uh, Spotify, and leave a review, uh, five-star, hopefully, or whatever you want, if you enjoyed the show. Uh, until next time, keep listening to the Commonwealth Comics Podcast. This is uh, Chris Langford and Hunter Groves. I'll see you guys next time.
Thank you, guys. Bossy, 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 bossy